Hello team and welcome back to the Simply Fit Podcast. Today I bring you some incredible news. I have been working on a secret project for the past three or four months now and I now can tell you that the brand new follow along workout channel is live and here. On this YouTube channel, you're gonna find workouts for fat loss, muscle building, improving your cardio health, flexibility, everything is gonna be on there. You're gonna find body weight workouts, dumbbell workouts, kettlebell and resistance bands workouts, all that you can follow along with. And the best part is that it's completely free. They're also around 10 to 20 minutes long, meaning if you're short of time, you can quickly complete an effective workout or you can combine like two or three of them together and complete like a full 45 to 60 minute workout. New workouts will go live on the channel every Tuesday and Thursday and they're gonna be accompanied by an amazing backdrop, which I'm sure you're all gonna enjoy. So if you wanna find the channel, just search Elliot Hassoon into YouTube and you'll find it very easily. And please subscribe. It makes me very, very happy and it helps the channel grow. And feel free to tell your friends, your family, your pets, whoever you want to share this with and let's work out together. Welcome to the Simply Fit Podcast. I'm your host, Elliot Hassoun. In this podcast, I'll be looking at three key questions related to fitness, nutrition, and mindset. I will break these down into information that is easy to understand and actionable so that you can apply it to your life today. This podcast will give you all you need to improve your health and well-being once and for all. So sit back, listen, and most importantly, take action. Hello guys and welcome back to the Simply Fit Podcast and welcome to the very first episode of 2021. That's very exciting and I'm going to put it out there right now, really putting myself on the line here and making sure that I've got some extra accountability. By this time next year, there will be at least 100 episodes of the Simply Fit Podcast. Today we're on episode 13 which means I've got around 87 episodes to record, but I'm pretty confident we're gonna make that happen. So I'm looking forward to this time next year where I can literally say that I've put it out and I've manifested it into reality. So we're gonna get straight into the first episode of the year. We're gonna get into episode 13 and we're gonna start off with something that's pretty time sensitive. I'm sure a lot of us now, you know, we're getting into our New Year's resolutions. If you are listening to this in January, uh, potentially starting some new habits, new practices. And the first uh, first question we have today, sorry, is how do I start running? Like, where do I start if I want to begin uh, starting to run, you know, start to go jog, etc. So what I love personally about running is the simplicity of it, right? It's available to everyone. You know, you can literally just put on your shoes, you pop outside, there's quite minimal resistance, you don't need a gym membership, you don't really have to rely on that much to get going, and that's what I love about it, and that's what I think appeals to a lot of people as well, However, that same benefit is also the problem as well. The issue is, is that we believe that just because we can run, we have legs, you know, we can increase the pace into a run that, you know, we automatically have the ability to do it. And I'm going to give you a story here, something about myself personally and my story about training for a 10K last year. So I set out on setting myself a 10K after my photo shoot to kind of keep myself in the groove of doing cardio, you know, to give myself a little bit more incentive once the photo shoot was out of the way. 
And I'd never run as much as, you know, as I was during that, that fat loss phase. I was doing it like once or twice a week. And then I picked it up to three runs per week. They were close to that 10K mark. This was the most I've ever ran, you know, consistently in my entire life, right? And what ended up happening is maybe like six to eight weeks before the run, I started getting like really bad uh, shin pain. And, you know, I didn't ever get it diagnosed, but very much assuming that they were shin splints to the point where I couldn't really run properly. I didn't end up doing the 10K because I just I was in pain for the most part. And I really just didn't want to go there to show up. And you know what? It wasn't down to anything just due to me underestimating how much of a skill and a sport running is. Once again, I underestimated it, just didn't, you know, potentially go through a lot of the things I'm going to go through later today in terms of I didn't prepare myself well enough. Potentially, I didn't mobilize, didn't get the right footwear and all that type of stuff. So I massively, massively underestimated it. And that's what I want to make sure that you guys don't do when you're starting out your running. So be aware that it is a sport and it is a skill and it requires more respect than we probably give it. Um, and that's coming from someone, again, at that point, had over 10 years in the industry, over 10 years in health and fitness, even I underestimated it. So that's the moral of the story there. And now I'm going to dive into, you know, where we get started. So I feel like the first thing we need to establish here is the goal and, you know, why we're actually starting running in the first place, right? Is it to be a better runner? Is it to get fitter, improve your health? Is it to drop body weight? And the reason that I ask is because of all of these things are very, very, you know, they require different forms of running, different forms of preparation, different times, uh, uh, different ways of fueling yourself for each of these. And, you know, for instance, I get a lot of people saying, you know, I hate running and therefore I'm going to start running. And that logic just does not make sense to me at all, you know, unless it's like a self-discipline, it's like a willpower type uh, practice, you know, kind of like cold showers, kind of like meditation and all that stuff. If it's for that practice, you know, just to overcome your mindset and, you know, gets more resilient mentally, then totally fair enough. But if your goal is just to drop body weight, then it's not necessarily not necessary to run. If your goal is to get fitter, it's not necessary to run. If your goal is to be a better runner or you're interested in running, yes, then running makes sense and we can totally go down that route. But I think it's really important to establish that Yes, it's a very effective form of cardio. It's a very effective form of like, you know, burning calories. However, it's not the only form of uh, cardiovascular exercise and it's not the only effective form either. So if you are someone right now who hates running and is only doing it to drop body weight or to get fitter, then, you know, please, please just do something you enjoy more. If you enjoy dance more, if you enjoy football more, and maybe some of my male and female clients or people will relate to me here is that you can run after a ball for hours and hours on end. And that just seems way more entertaining than, you know, just running on the road. So if you enjoy those things more, opt for those and don't opt for running unless it does interest you. So let's say that it does interest you. You want to get into running. And I think the first place to start is preparation. And I kind of just touched on this, but if we were to play the association game, you know, when you say like a word, then you have to say the word, a word that associates it. And then you go around in a circle like apple pie, you know, or apple um, MacBook, maybe <laughs> that would definitely work. And the thing with as with the associations, if someone says running to me, the first thing that comes to my mind is injuries, especially when you're talking about like, you know, people who aren't professional runners, they are just kind of five, 10 K people. And that was me as well. Like I just said to you earlier, it's like I went in, I underestimated it. And just because we can run doesn't mean we should just 
jump into it without any preparation. So the first thing place I would start is, you know, your footwear. That's a really, really big one. And a lot of people will just tend to pick their up their, you know, their old training, uh, old trainers that they've had for years and years. They'll wear some tiny shorts that barely fit them. And then maybe like a university t-shirt that they've had for 15 years, which is, you know, <laughs> washed out. And, you know, don't get me wrong, if that, that's okay. You know, if that's what you want to run in, totally fine. But I think comfortable clothing is super, super key. So I want to get back to the footwear thing here, right? So when was the last time you actually replaced your running shoes? So just as a point of reference here as well, according to the ASICS website, your average running trainers have around 550 miles in them. So if we convert that to kilometers, as that's what we tend to track our runs in, and that's about 885 kilometers. And let's say you are someone who's covering maybe, I don't know, two 5Ks per week, which isn't that much. Maybe you're covering across 10K a week, right? If we times that by 52, which is obviously the amount of weeks in a year, that's 520 kilometers across a year, meaning you've got roughly around 300 and I don't know, quick maths here, uh, 45 kilometers remaining, which is probably about a year to a year and a half. Maybe about, you might get a year and um, eight months out of them, but that's not a lot, especially if you are doing a lot of walking in those shoes, you're covering more than 10K a week. So it is worth bearing in mind how long you've had them for. And if you are looking to get serious into running as well, it might not be a case of just picking a pair off the shelf as well. It might be going to a specific running shop, getting your gait uh, analyzed, and then getting the right pair of shoes for you. What we've got to bear in mind, and I will go through this in just a second, is that we are sat in very dysfunctional positions all day. As I'm recording this podcast, I'm slightly hunched over right now. And my job, especially as I converted more to online than rather on the gym floor, you know, I'm sat down for a large portion of the day. And, you know, that's going to affect the way I move, the way my body moves, and my posture in general. And if you've been doing, you know, you've had a seated um, job, or you've not really been exercising for 30, 40 years, then there's a good chance that you should probably get all that stuff looked at first so you can find the right pair of shoes and the right equipment for you to make sure that you are um, running for your body type and your you know the way that your hips and your lower back and your legs your knees everything align together okay so that's super super important so bear in mind your footwear next is regarding your actual clothing as well like i just said before you know you might want to get some compression gear you want to make sure that you're comfortable in your run like do your shorts have a pocket for your keys and your phone that's one of the biggest uh, challenges that i've had before is that in the past, I would, you know, you know the size of the iPhones these days, especially when you get like a Max and it's bouncing around in your pocket, you're kind of concerned that it's going to fall out. But recently I put on a pair of tracksuit bottoms and they have a fantastic pocket, barely feels like the iPhones in there, can fit keys as well. But honestly, that was something that would really hold me back on my run. And, you know, all of these things are going to make that experience less enjoyable as well. So making sure that you're accommodating for that. And I think it's worth knowing, I want to come back to the person who's wearing their old university clothes and everything like this. I, you know, I'm going to go down a bit of a rabbit hole here as well. But a lot of people say like they don't get it when they see the I'm, I'm gonna, sorry for the females out here. I'm going to go on you now. But, you know, when they were dressed head to toe in Gymshark and maybe they've done their hair a little bit and maybe they're way, wearing makeup too. And a lot of people were like, oh, it's over the top. I don't really understand why they're doing that. They're going to the gym to get sweaty. Yes, they are. And I understand this, right? And I'll, I'll tell you from the perspective, I'm not a female who wears Gymshark, but I'm going to give you this perspective here. It's that 
I believe that you, when you go to the gym, you are going into a place where you're going to feel quite vulnerable and self-conscious, especially if you're not in the shape that you want to be. So by putting yourself in an outfit that makes you feel a little bit better about yourself, that might make you a little bit more comfortable about going into the gym and training, right? And I think that is worth noting is that, you know, if you are wearing, you know, a t-shirt that's super tight on you, you know, and it's hugging your stomach a bit more than it should be, these shorts that are ragged and they've got holes in them, and then you're wearing some, you know, rough trainers as well. And don't get me wrong, if you're okay with that, that's totally fine. But personally, if I was wearing all that, I would probably feel uncomfortable. And if you add on the fact that I'm doing exercise, which generally makes you feel uncomfortable, and if you add, you know, potentially a bit of, um, you know, being a bit self-conscious and not fully confident on top of that, then, you know, that's not really a recipe for success in my eyes. So I really do get it. Maybe, you know, each to their own. <laughs> I'm not going to be wearing Gymshark head to toe. But at the same time, I understand wearing clothes that make you feel good as well. Because when you, you know, you feel like you're looking good a little bit more, then you're going to be less self-conscious and you'll be able to focus on your training a little bit more. So I think that's worth noting. That won't be for everyone, but I do think it's worth noting how you feel in your gym and your running clothes as well. The next, when it comes to preparation, is mobility work. Like I mentioned, we are very dysfunctional in our posture these days just due to being seated all the time and being on our phones and all that type of stuff. So making sure that you are getting primed both from like a muscular system perspective, but also a nervous system perspective to make sure that A, injury prevention, but also I'll tell you what, when I don't do mobility before a run, it tends to suck a little bit more in those first 10 minutes. You know, I'm just kind of really just trying to get myself into the groove of things. Whereas if I actually do some mobility work and I prime myself before, I kind of just get straight into the run and actually doesn't feel terrible to begin with. Like I find that usually those first 10 minutes when I don't, it's just really, really tough, you know? And then once you get into the groove of things, it's fine. But I find when you do the mobility work, that time of like getting yourself accustomed and fully up to speed reduces massively. The next point I want to make is your playlist and your roots as well, right? And so I'm going to go here and again, it's another first world problem, but headphones falling out during a run or during your training sessions is so incredibly frustrating. And I used to wear the wired headphones before and, you know, do you have them, uh, you know, showing on the front and bouncing around or do you tuck them into your t-shirt, but then they kind of fall out your ears a lot. Like this, these things can make a big difference and I'm, you know, I'm not... A big fan of the quality of AirPods, but I can definitely vouch for the fact that they never fall out of my ears um, when I run. So that's something that I can be a big fan of, and it really helped my running experience. Next, are you going to listen to podcasts or are you going to listen to music? I was actually going for a run with my sister on Christmas Day, and she was quite surprised at the fact that I would listen to podcasts and audiobooks. But for me, you know, running's quite methodical. It's very one pace or, you know, quite rhythmic. So I don't really need music that much. Whereas I'm in the gym, I do want something pumping. I don't want a podcast or a book. So that will make a difference to your running experience as well. And then the next part is regarding your route as well. And this is another experience I had literally just one or two days ago. And I like to run in Holland Park. For anyone who knows Holland Park, he lives in London. It's a little bit more of a forest than it is a park, to be completely honest. And as you enter, if 
you go down one of the entrances, there is a big like muddy trail. Maybe it's like 500 meters long. Um, when it's dry, it's totally fine. And I was thinking, you know, the rain hasn't fallen for a while, but because it's so sheltered, it takes a long time for that mud to dry. So when I approached that stretch, I was like, oh, you know, that's my normal route. And I just, I had a little bit of fun with it. I was just like, okay, I need to up my game on my concentration. It was just about okay enough that I wasn't going to slip if as long as I was careful. So I went through it. But you know, we've got to bear those things in mind. So next time, now I know that I'm going to run further and go to Kensington Gardens where I know that there's, you know, there's uh, actual cement and there's actually pavement that I'm not going to slip on. But bearing things like slippy leaves as well, that's a real problem in the autumn as well. The last thing you want to do is slip um, because that can be not pleasant. Like one fall can really just throw you off for your entire run, especially if you are new to this as well. And the final point I want to make on preparation is hydration as well, right? You really need to ensure you're adequately hydrated ahead of running. Uh, This should go without saying, even if you're just sitting down doing absolutely nothing, you should still ensure that you're adequately hydrated. But bear in mind, you are definitely, definitely going to lose fluids during a run. So please make sure you are hydrated beforehand. So that is the preparation side of things. And I know that sounds a lot, but once you get all of these things in place, like you establish a route, you know what headphones you're going to have, you know if podcasts or music works for you, you know what mobility routine you're going to do, you know what you're going to wear. You know, you only have to decide these things once and then they are with you for a long time. And now we get to your first run. The first thing I would just make a note of here is have minimal expectations, like minimal expectations. Like the more you place pressure on yourself, the more you're setting yourself up for potential failure. And that's not what we want, or not even potential failure, but potential not satisfaction behind the run. Just see how it goes and see if you enjoy it as well. Just really try and place minimal pressure. When it comes to what type of run you should do, there are plenty of plenty of like plans and apps out there like Couch to 5K, Beginner 5K plan, Beginner 10K plan. And then, you know, you might want to decide whether you want to just, you want to do a form of intervals to keep it exciting or you just want a steady pace. So just pick the one that appeals most to you. If you are someone who said, you know, potentially needs a little like, you know, change in stimulus every now and again to keep you pumped up, then intervals might be a good route. But if you're someone who just wants to do it because you just want to get into it, then a steady pace might make sense as well. Just see how you get on and then gradually build. Which brings us on to the next point, which is your post run, right? And I would put some routine in place. I'm not very good at this, I'll be honest. That brings your heart rate down and begins that recovery process. Like I don't think you necessarily need to stretch immediately after as soon as you get back. That's usually the last thing I want to do. I just want to get in the shower. But I would advise like popping in, you know, a little bit of stretching, a little bit of mobility work or, you know, some time with a foam roller or a Theragun or whatever it is in the evening after your run just to, again, set yourself up for success in the coming days. And the next thing I want to talk about is post-run nutrition. And I left nutrition out in general in the preparation part because it really does come down to your goal. So when it's like performance-based, right? Let's say you haven't got fat loss goals and it was it's just about being a better runner, covering more distance, then you need to think of your food as fuel, right? That's what we need to think of. So having food pre-run might be a good idea. Having um, food post-run for me would always be a good idea just again to start that recovery process as well whereas if you're just doing it for weight loss like for instance I was at my last prep you know I wouldn't actually eat if I did a morning run like I would do I do it fasted because of when you're doing it for weight loss you're just doing it to increase the deficit right that's what you're doing you're increasing the calorie deficit by going out for a run and burning calories but when you're doing it for you know I want to get a better 5k time 10k time then you you know you do have to look at it as fueling your body and making sure that you're setting yourself up for success on that run and making sure that you are starting that recovery process as soon as possible as well. So those are the things you've got to bear in mind. I would always leave a good distance between both 
pre-run and post-run. Um, you know, if you are going for these long, long distances like 15, 20 gate, yeah, you might want some intra uh, fuel as well. But considering this is your first run, you don't need to be thinking about that stuff just yet. I am gonna summarize just to make sure that you can get all that information and get out on your first run. So the first one is that you really need to establish the reason why you want to run. because that's really gonna make a big difference in the way that you prepare, um, how you run, when you run, etc. Next up is obviously just preparing in the best manner possible, logistically, physically, mentally. And the next one, ease your way in. Don't be in a rush to build up to 5K, build up to 10K, especially if you do actually enjoy it. Like just look to build up, make your way to those bigger numbers and get excited by it as well. And then the next one here would be recover effectively um, because of the way your next run is gonna go is predicated on how you handle the period after the, the run you've just done. And then the final one after that is just set yourself goals if you wanna continue running. There's nothing more incentivizing than you know beating your 5K time, beating your 10K time, or recording a new distance. It's really enjoyable once you get into the groove of the thing. And that is the summary of that. And I wanna leave you with just some quick fire tips here that I haven't, you know, I don't feel the need to go into detail with. First one is don't bother with a water bottle if it's just a five to 10K uh, run. It's just a pain to hold on to the bottle. And if you need to go to the bathroom in the middle of the run, that's always frustrating. So just get adequately hydrated beforehand. Next is noise canceling headphones. If you're on busy streets, be careful as well. Next one is again, be aware of weather conditions. You don't wanna slip on those leaves. You don't wanna end up in a muddy forest or anything along those lines. And the final one, this is just a personal preference. I'd rather take off layers and be a little bit too warm than too cold. So just bear that in mind, you know, when the weather is like it is in the UK at the moment, like minus one degrees, zero degrees, you definitely, definitely wanna be wrapped up and nice and warm. So that covers the first segment on training and running in particular. So we're going to dive straight into the nutrition question now. And this one is definitely going to be front of mind with it being the time of year it is. And that's how do I start eating healthier? I don't know where to start. And I understand this, it, you know, it is pretty overwhelming with the level of information and diets out there. You know, I covered this before and like what diet protocol you should go to when there's like vegan, there's keto, there's just so many out there. But where you start, really is predicated on where you're beginning from, right? If your diet is currently consisting of processed foods, regular takeaways, then, you know, just a bit of reduction in the amount of processed foods and takeaways you might, you know, you know, you're eating might be more than enough. However, like if you're someone who is somewhat conscious, you know, they're already, already making a little bit of effort, then it could be just a case of improving the ratio of your protein, carbs, and fats, adding a bit more fruits and veg here and there, and then of course, after that, it's like, what's the goal, right? Are you doing it for weight loss? Are you doing it for cognitive performance? Are you doing it to improve your energy, your performance in the gym, performance in life, um, disease prevention maybe, right? And then this will give you your baseline. Once you understand where you're at, what the goal is of improving, you know, improving the quality of food you eat and eating healthier, then you can pretty much get started. And I want to go through five easy ways that anyone can do, even just today, you could implement these right away to start eating healthier. So I'm going to dive straight in. The first one here is drink more water. This is something that everyone can do. It's so accessible. It's such an easy one. And it makes such a profound difference as well, right? Nearly every single process in your body is going to work better when you're hydrated. Like seriously, like if there is 
you know, it's so easy to look at how many supplements we can take to improve X, Y, and Z, pay all this money, and then we have this thing, this beautiful thing called water. We gotta understand that our body is 80% water, and I know that that doesn't really hit home sometimes, but it really is important. If your body is made up of something, then we probably need to consume plenty of it and keep ourselves adequately hydrated as well. And actually, if you want to study to bolster this, and uh, your goal is weight loss as well, I heard recently, uh, shout out to Sean Stevenson, who I actually quote quite a lot on this uh, podcast because he is a wizard when it comes to nutrition expertise. And um, his podcast is fantastic too. And I'll put that in the show notes just so everyone's got a reference to it. But they did a study where the participants, they drank 16 to 18 ounces of water, which is not that much whatsoever. And when they, you know, tested, you know, what was going on internally, they found that just by drinking those 16 to 18 ounces of water, they burnt an extra 25 calories. If you do that like four to five times a day, you're burning an extra 100 to 125 calories without doing anything but drinking water. So if you're there scanning the internet for your fat burning supplements, then just think that thing, you know, in the tap, as long as you've got a filter or, you know, in that bottle, hopefully you're getting it from a spring, that is your fat burning supplement and everything is just going to work a lot more effectively you're going to feel better i don't know how many people i've heard who said oh all of a sudden i've got more energy all of a sudden my skin has improved all of these things and my number one tip when it comes to water is just start your day with it right my routine in the morning the first few things a few things i do one i pay play a really positive song in the morning to set the tone then I start making my bed as I'm listening to that song. And the third thing I do is once I've made my bed, I sit on the side and I drink a ton of water. You know, I take that internal shower before I take my external. And that would be, you know, if you could embed that into your routine, you do that 365 days of the year, fantastic. Number two, another really easy one here is reduce the amount of processed foods in your diet. So we might not know the exact things that we should be eating because that is a bit of a, you know, a bit of a minefield, there's a lot to consider there, but we all know what we should be eating less of. If I ask anyone, you know, what should you be eating? They might go, oh, salad, fruit, I'm not really too sure. If I say, what should you eat less of? They'll be like, ah, oh, yeah, you know, the cake, the takeaways, etc., etc. right? But I wouldn't eliminate I would reduce because of going cold turkey and like removing completely can be quite challenging, but reducing can have just as much of a significant impact, right? So if we go from one takeaway a week to two takeaways a month, that can be powerful. Maybe you swap a takeaway for a fakeaway, you know, instead of ordering that pizza, you make the pizza yourself. At least you know where the ingredients are coming from. You know what you're putting into it. And then this comes into like creating a homemade or even better version of the processed version you're already eating. You know, if you're having, I don't know, biscuits in the afternoon, maybe you want to make your own and you use stevia instead of sugar and you use gluten-free coconut flour instead of whatever flour they put into your biscuits. Like these things can really help. And if you can just reduce a little bit of the processed foods you're eating, you're probably going to fare better. So the next one is try some form of intermittent fasting or fasting in general, right? And I appreciate this is not technically about eating healthier, but a period of fasting can help anyone. I get this a lot. So when people have digestive troubles, they say, oh, you know, I want to start eating some simple foods. I just had some soup. I had, you know, some bread or anything like that. But if your digestion isn't on point, the best thing you can do is give your digestive system a rest full stop, right? Okay, you might want to settle the stomach is what people say, but do you know what settles the stomach? It not having anything to digest or do, right? And it actually digesting and removing what you put into it that made it go off in the first place. And we've got to 
bear this in mind from the evolutionary perspective, we're not built to be constantly eating all the time. There is a cascade of biological responses that happen when we consume food. If we think about the process of digestion and you know the food going into our mouth and moving all the way through our body, uh, the response of insulin, all the hormones and everything that goes off as soon as we eat, that's a lot for your body to do, especially if you're doing it every single day, you know, for hours on end. Let's say you've got an eating window from like 6 a.m. till 10 10 p.m. and you're barely giving your body a chance to rest, then it might be worth implementing a little bit more of a fasting period because when your body does rest, it then has time to do other stuff and some really powerful stuff too, right? Fasting itself, it supports healthy mitochondria. That is basically going to help with your energy. And that's why a lot of people, you know, when they do fast, they're like, oh, you know, I have a lot more energy, which is surprising considering I'm not eating food. And it also allows the cells to clean themselves. This is a process called autophagy. I'm not going to go into detail, but just understand that having the cells be able to clean themselves is a fantastic process. And I have spoken about the pitfalls of fasting before. So if you are going to start, then don't go all in. Just take your current eating window whenever that is. Let's say you are eating from 9am till 9pm like 12 hour window to begin with is good but then how about you just try and push your breakfast one hour later and you bring back your evening meal one hour earlier so you now do 10 till 7 and you have a 14 hour window of not eating and then you push a little bit further then you have a 16 hour window and the 8 8 16 is quite a good one actually for most people from an intermittent fasting perspective and then you know eventually you might get to a point where you decide you get to lunchtime you're not that hungry and you're like okay i'm gonna skip lunch today and then you push all the way till dinner and then you've done your first 24 hour fast and that periodically can be very very beneficial i would not advise doing a lot this is one of those things where more doesn't necessarily equal better but it's definitely something you can do every now and again that will be positive but i think you know having that 12 14 16 hour window on a day-to-day basis is going to be positive and it's going to help next point number four is diversify your foods and this is actually a big goal of mine for this year like i eat quote unquote healthily but i do very much fall into the trap of eating the same thing over and over i do opt for convenience and efficiency and I do find this valuable. I won't lie when, you know, someone is dieting, they're in a calorie deficit, they want to be mindful of what their foods they're eating and satiety and all these type of things. But outside of a diet, when you're kind of in more of a lifestyle phase or a gaining phase, I believe you should really try and diversify the foods as much as possible, right? All these different foods have different profiles of nutrients. And then the more, you know, different bacteria you expose your gut to, the more diverse that's going to be as well and the more it's going to be able to handle the different foods that you give it and you're ultimately just going to be a healthier individual as long as your body isn't just seeing chicken, broccoli and rice every single day. So if you are dieting, maybe just try and switch up your veg sources now and again. You know, maybe if you are like me and you eat broccoli on a day-to-day basis, maybe you try uh, green beans, asparagus for a change and then maybe if you put spinach in your omelette, maybe you try another source of uh, leafy green vegetables or something along those lines or same goes for your protein sources too potentially you're always eating chicken breast maybe you want to try some white fish for instance maybe you want to pull back on fat somewhere else and try some salmon you know it's really worth doing every now and again and that brings me on to my fifth and final point which is monitoring the quality of your foods and upgrading the quality of your foods right the quality of your food really matters a lot like there is a big difference between meat that's been pumped with hormones from animals that barely see any daylight versus 
grass thread free range like there is a big difference between these two and the you know how they're going to have an impact on your body you gotta bear in mind what went into that cow chicken whatever and that same thing that went into them is then going into you it is worth noting where your food comes from and yes it is more expensive but i'll tell you what's more expensive being sick all the time having low energy having low mood and let's put it this way like as myself as a business owner if i'm sick all the time and i have low energy low mood my ability to run my business effectively is not good and that actually could cost me more than you know buying organic fruit and veg it could buy me more than buying good quality meat and fish and to start with here i would just start you know, go by swapping a few things. Perhaps you swap your protein sources initially, like I said, going from, you know, your generic ones that are in the supermarket that are super cheap to your grass-fed ones from the butcher or your veg sources. And you, you know, you slowly make that transition. You can also utilize the dirty dozen list, which is um, a list of foods where you, they basically say which ones have like the most pesticides, they have the most traces of bad chemicals and stuff like that on top of them or within them just due to the process of them getting into the food system so then that will be make that worth going organic so if those are some of the foods you are eating regularly then popping onto an organic type of those foods may be uh, wise on that front and i would also look at the foods you're having on a day-to-day basis or even like the liquids like your coffee for instance like where is that coming from and how is that treated how is it getting from the bean to your cup it is definitely worth bearing that in mind same with like things like milk and just oils these things that we have on a day-to-day basis make small and gradual shifts and they will add up so to summarize first drink more water just please do that for me (laughs) reduce the processed foods in your diet is the second one next one you might want to try fasting Uh, start with small period and build your way up next diversify your foods expose yourself to those different nutrients final one monitor the quality of your foods and upgrade the quality of them every so often so any one of these will make a huge difference and these are things you can do without, you know, going on a diet or making any radical changes. So I challenge you to introduce one today. And probably the lowest hanging fruit is <laughs> drinking more water or even the fasting because you're not even adding anything in. Final question is a mindset question. And I think this is valuable for this time of the year. Once again, especially if you're someone in the UK or you're still somewhere where, you know, you have restrictions on where you can go in the day, you're still working from home. And the final question here is how do I create structure in my day? And I've said this before, and I will say it over and over again. Structure for me equals freedom. Structure for me equals freedom. And I I say it with such emphasis. The words... Uh, structure it has such a bad reputation which sucks but structure like it's the thing that allows you to do more things that you want to do it protects your time how often are you using your free time to do the things that you don't want to do like chores extra work and all that type of stuff right this is where structure can come in and it can allow you to use your free time doing the things you actually want to do and it also helps you have full visibility over your days over your time so you can see if you're spending it to you know the best effect right how many times times have you had it where you're like i just don't know where my time goes i need more hours in the day how about if you actually just looked at it and you're like oh i know exactly where my time is going i know exactly why i don't have enough hours in a day so i want to give you my place to start and then i want to show you exactly how you can do this so the first thing you need to do 
is you need to define your priorities. Like what is important to you on a week to week, month to month and year to year basis, right? Pick one to two things, max three, because after three, they're not priorities after three, right? And I think I've said this before, but the word priority was actually pluralized not that long ago. I think it was like early 1900s because before it was a priority, which is, means it was number one. So try and not dilute this too much to pick three things. And obviously this is where your time should be going. Then you need to ruthlessly analyze your days from the minute you wake up to the minute you go to bed. I heard this from uh, Craig Valentine recently. Try this. You want to monitor every 20 minutes of your day for two to three days. So um, do it on a journal I've written down or do it on a spreadsheet. Put you know, the moment you wake up, so 5 a.m. to 5.20 a.m., 5.20 a.m. to 5.40, 5.40 to 6. Track your day for three days and it will be eye-opening, right? And once you see all that, initially you will obviously see some like red, red flags, but spot the trends, spot where most of your time is being spent and spot the amount of free time you have and whether you want more of it or potentially you even have too much of it. And now, you need to ruthlessly cut out the things that don't align with your priorities. This should free up a lot of time. And this doesn't have to be forever either. Uh, but just maybe review this every three to six months because of your priorities can change, right? For me, for instance, for the first six months of this year, I have said that my priority is my personal growth and the growth of my business, right? So my time is very aligned towards those things. But maybe when six months pass, I think personal development will always be there, but maybe it goes down a different avenue. Maybe my health and my fitness uh, takes a little bit more of a priority again. So then I cut back on some of the time of personal development in terms of like my meditation, my reading and my journaling and I spend more time doing health and fitness stuff but like you just need to make sure that you set yourself up for a time period I think th like a quarter or two quarters or obviously a half can be valuable and then reassess and see what the priority is then and then after this you need to look at the things remaining on your um, calendar that only you can do and what I mean by this is what things require you and actually move the needle forward on your priorities. Other people can do your food shopping, like your cleaning of your house, the management of your garden, like potentially even picking up your children from school. You're like, okay, I value quality time with your ch the children. Is quality time with your children the time spent in the car? Or could you get someone else to do that? You spend an extra 20, 30 minutes on your work. And then when they do arrive home, you're 100% present and with them rather than you rushing from that meeting, needing to send emails from your car. You know, you got to bear these things in mind. And this is where it really comes down to allocating your time to the best possible place and thinking about what actions do you need to take on a daily basis that, like I said, drive the needle forward? The difference between that poor quality time of your kids, which you thought was quality time, and those things can be replaced. And another thing we need to assess here and to make sure we stay fresh and we enjoying the things, right? You know, I could do personal development things and business work all day, but if I don't take some downtime, then my quality of of my work that I do within those two things might suffer, right? And as much as I love those two things and as much as we love anything in this world, too much of it can sometimes be, you know, it can be quite challenging to handle, right? You may love your kids, but it doesn't mean you want to spend 24-7 with them. You may love your partner. You don't want to spend 24-7 with them. You may love exercising. You don't want to exercise 24-7. So we need to look at what we want to do in your free time and then what do we need to do within that free time to make us feel fulfilled? I know that, you know, the way that we spend free time is very different between people. 
and most people actually feel guilty when they take it or they don't feel like do anything with it so actually determining what you want to do with that free time can be really really valuable like do you want to be the type of person who lies on the sofa and watches Netflix because if you do that's totally fine but you might be the other person who actually just prefers more of a creative outlet maybe this is the time where you get to paint you get to draw you make you get to play the guitar you get to sing that might be the way that you enjoy your free time and it's really important that you take it because of once you factored in all your other priorities then you should be able to enjoy it because you're not using your time on silly things that you don't need to do. And you've also, you know, allocated time within your week to what's important. So you can actually enjoy that. Let it fulfill you and let it allow you to come back stronger onto your priorities as well. And then the final thing we need to do once we've got all of this in place is just it's just monitor it. Simple as that and see if the schedule actually works for you because it won't always. And I'm going to go into a few key pointers here. And the first one is just to be always be prepared to adapt and pivot. You know, it might not work the first time you, you put your daily structures together. But I would review. I used to do a thing where at the end of the week, um, or even at the end of the day, I think I was doing this, I would monitor the three things that went well and three things that didn't go so well. And then I would collect them all at the end of the week, just saw which ones were like trends which kept coming up. You know, some days I would just solve it on the day and on the time I was reflecting in my journal. And then other days I'd wait for the week, see the trend and be like, oh, actually, no, this is a this is a scheduling issue. Like, you know, I don't have X amount of time. And then again, I'm going to give you an example here is that one time I was finding that I just didn't have enough time to do my work. I was just like, why am I always like, you know, overrunning with the amount of work I need to do? And I was like, I don't need to lessen the amount of work I need to do. I just need to allocate more time to it. And that was, you know, something that kept coming up on a daily basis. I was like, okay, I keep running over my time block for work. And I was like, okay, then maybe I just need to extend my time block for work. Or maybe I need to pop in one or two hours on the weekend. And guess what? That solved the problem. But if you don't, you know, monitor these things and you don't, you're not prepared to adapt or pivot, then you may not actually even realize that this is possible. The next is to leave buffer time in your day for life to happen, right? If you get a call from someone or if you need to go to the post office or if you need to do something that just wasn't scheduled into your day, you don't want to be controlled by your schedule. I think it's always worth leaving a little bit of white space in between just so you have the time to do things intuitively when life comes up because life will come up. If your sink, I don't know, begins to break or something like that and you need to like go under the sink and tighten up a few screws like you don't want to leave that until the end of the day especially if it's an immediate thing so leave that buffer time because it will cause you less stress the next one and this is an interesting one something i need to embrace a bit more is spontaneously tip your structure on its head every now and then a structure and a routine is fantastic but it can lead you to get a bit rigid Again, victim to this myself. So the more you can just, you know, spontaneously on, I don't know, a Saturday or a Friday, you just go, forget the schedule today. I'm just doing what I feel like doing. And if you do this every now and again, it's actually pretty nice. If you do this like once or twice a week, then that's probably more about the problem with your schedule being too rigid or too tight potentially and that's the reason you're sticking to it but if you do it every now and again and then you get back to it it can be really refreshing and that final point i actually want to make is if your structure does feel too strict too tight then you need to reassess it as this isn't supposed to be how it's how it's meant to feel it's, a, it's supposed to help you make sure that you focus on your priorities have free time that you can use and it fulfills you and basically get rid of the things that shouldn't be on your plate or you can outsource or someone else can do because if we have one life you know we don't have a lot of time here so why would we spend 
time that we don't have to doing things that we don't want to that don't align with our priorities i think that's a fantastic place to finish and that was one hell of an episode i am animated i am i got a bit of a dry mouth so i hope that you enjoyed this one i think this is a really good way to kick off the year a lot of ones that can really really help in terms of moving the needle forward in 2021 so i hope you took a lot of value from it guys I'm very excited to bring the next, however many episodes I said it was, to get us to 100 at the end of the year. Whatever your goals are this January, I hope you absolutely smash them. And even if you don't get off to the best possible start, keep going. You know, if it's important to you, make it happen. Make sure that your staying power and your resilience is one of of your biggest attributes this year. And that will really, really help you. So that's everything from me today, guys. Take care of yourselves and I'll speak to you on the next episode. And that was the Simply Fit Podcast. I hope you gained a huge amount of value from today's episode. I feel inspired to improve your health and well-being. Be sure to search for Simply Fit in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts and Spotify or anywhere else you get your podcasts from. And go ahead and subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. Also, if you like the episode, please don't forget to give it a five-star rating. I'd love to hear your feedback or any questions you have. So reach out to me on social media. You'll find me on Facebook and Instagram at Elliot Hassoun. Thank you so much for listening. And I look forward to talking with you all on the next one.